Yeah, I want to talk really this morning, I'm going to pray in a minute, but um, as I was saying to Doreen before the meeting, uh, my, my title is Trusting God. And there's a certain context, but I've got a confession to make first. Um, I, ran it, I found it really difficult to focus on the Lord because about an hour ago I got an email saying that the site I've just spent four months building has just gone down. So, a uh, website that is, I'm not a building site, I'm not that, I'm not that. <laughs> um, but, well, you know, what can I do about that? It's not my fault. That's the first thing I checked out. Is it my fault? No, it's not my fault. That's so we're all right. Um, but, but also, you know, we, we can, uh, Margaret said something very important, I think. When she came to the ladies' prayer meeting, someone said, are you okay? Now, for many of us, we might say, yeah, I'm fine. The dreaded word's fine. Uh, but Margaret said, no. And I think that's really powerful, and, and I think it's a really important lesson for us this morning, and I want us to um, maybe just listening to some of the prayers that we've had this morning. Um, just what I, I think the Lord's been ministering, I don't know if you've heard it yourself, but um, it's really on that level. This is why I want to speak now, and then we can uh, just... I keep thinking, enjoy sending Steve and Anna on their way, but... Um, but let's pray. Father, we come before you because we believe that your words are life and they're truth and they change us, they transform us. So Lord, we want to come with hearts ready, Lord, and open and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and move, come and touch, come and change, come and challenge. Lord, and Lord, will you enable us to respond to you that we might see this change happen. But Lord, because we believe you're the God that changes lives. And so we come before you now. In this time, Lord, as we continue in that, in that sense, in that place of worship and openness before you, and we pray, Lord, that you may speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was thinking about, I didn't have time to do it, but I thought it might be quite funny. Um, I've, I've been trying to get a bit, I'm, I'm hitting 48 years old next year, I know, I don't look it, I look about 32, I know, uh, um, but I'm thinking I've got to get um, at least some measure of healthy uh, t before I hit 50, so that's what I'm working on, so I'm working on that, but, um, and, and I was thinking, you know, I, I might get some pictures of basically put my head on top of really fit people, you know, with big muscles, things like that, and just to show progress, like a picture of me, but I just put my head on there, you know, just a picture of my face, but uh, I could have done it, I just, I, to be honest, I just couldn't be bothered, because I was too, too late in the day making my notes, I thought that was more important than making pretty pictures, and I'm sure you appreciate, but as you can imagine it, um, and my point was this, is that I was thinking, how many of us come to church almost with photoshopped lives, um, we, we, you know, we, you know, the whole thing about we come with masks or we come with something that um, we're coming with some kind of presentation of a person, might be called John Watson or Margaret Bailey or, you know, whatever, um, but nevertheless, behind it, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we're kind of managing and making sure people don't see. And what started this was a couple, there was a few things. Um, and... Uh, one, one of them was this. I just had this real awareness that we, and I said this a few weeks ago, we have to be able to bring our shame to church. And what I mean by that is we must be 
a community, a family that allows people to be who they are um, and not have to hide who they are because they don't want to be pointed at or judged or all these kind of things. And, um, but also knowing that often shame keeps people away from church, and when I mean church, I mean the people, which is the place where they can find healing for said shame. And that, that was the predicament. And, and so I, I just, as that just um, was in my mind, then we had a week where we had three things happen in that same week. Um, and one of those things um, was a family thing that uh, I won't go into, uh, where something came to light, if you like. Um, we had a, a leak um, which happened, which, again, it was always there, this thing, but suddenly it was revealed. And then I had a financial thing that had been going on for a couple of months, which was suddenly revealed. And, but now these things are revealed, we can deal with them. But I didn't know they were going on. Take a financial thing. So I didn't know that um, money was going out of my account that I was unaware of. But because my bank little, little number thing, I had to go and get a new one, and I was too busy. Um, so when I got onto my bank, I looked at all these transactions, they're not my transactions. And, and in the end, but now I was like, right, I blocked that card, I can deal with that. But if, I had, if it hadn't been revealed, it couldn't have been dealt with. And that just added this thing, is that, God, what are you doing? All in one week, I had, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a preacher, so the three Fs, family, finances, and um, fabric, that was building, that was about as best I could get. I was trying to think of an F, I was thinking, what is it? What F for a... For, for, uh, facilities, is that what you said? Um, but something I thought, God, we both said, God, what are you doing right now in this situation? Because you're revealing stuff. And, um, and also what it did was it revealed things in me. It, because when a situation comes, it, it reveals where you're at. So either we get all kind of, you know, uh, controlling and try to deal with these situations, if you like, or we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I need you to come and do something in this. It reveals something to us. So all these things came together, and it made me really think about, am I really trusting in the Lord? Are we really trusting in God? And often, and this was the point, um, um, which I'm probably just going to repeat myself as I go through this, but this is a point... Um, we only really know we're trusting God when our expectation of what should happen is completely different to the situation. In other words, um, let me make up a scenario. Um, we break down um, in our car on the way somewhere. We have a flat tyre and we've got no spare. Um, and so we say, Lord, will you come? And then, then an RAC man just pulls up and says, I was just in the neighbourhood... And I just happened to have a spare wheel in a tyre in a, for your, let me fix that for you, and say, Lord, you're so faithful. Thank you, Lord. But actually, the reality, what really happens is you're stuck in this thing and you're waiting there for four days for Lord to do this miraculous thing. When actually, and you're saying, you know, oh, Lord, but I'm, I'm trusting you, but you're not doing what you should be doing. Um, so in the end, you phone the RAC, and I know you should do it. This is I'm not good at making up these scenarios on the spot. You phone the, the, uh, the RAC and say, you've got, Lord, I'm going to get on with this because clearly you're not doing the right job. Yeah? Do you get the point? I know it's rubbish, isn't it? But that's all right. 
you'll forget it by the end of the day. So, <laughs> so I think these are, there's these lessons, um, two lessons I want us to think about. God will bring to surface those things in our lives that hold us back from entering into the generosity of God's love. Okay? There are things in our lives he will bring to the surface because they inhibit us from entering into the more of God. Okay? Number two, God will do this by using situations that come about and cause us to have to hold fast and trust him. And, and I believe actually a lot of the time it will be things that are, look like they're going from bad to worse. And, um, and so, but first we need to look at the, the heart of this. So if you go, if, if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Luke 18, uh, 9 to 4, um, where Jesus tells this parable. And he says this, um, <clears throat> he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see two people. The Pharisee, he was boastful, proud of his own works. It was what justified his, his um, right to even say those words. He felt that by the words or the works of his hands or of his, of his life, the things that he did made him righteous. And, and what this led to was his pride, you know, he would call out the sin in others. He would point out where others are going wrong and all this kind of thing. And, um, and then you've got the sinner, honest, open, repentant, requiring God's mercy. He's not making excuses for his existence or the, what he's doing. He's being right there, open and mercy. And this, you get these two people and God says, here's the man who goes away justified, the one who just all he can do is cry out and ask for mercy. So you get the Pharisee and the sinner, and the Pharisee, or what I call the professional mask wearer, um, I wonder, just wonder, I'm sure no one in this room is a professional mask wearer. They come in, they get to the door, up goes the mask with that little grin, how you doing, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, yeah, God is good all the time. Um, <laughs> Um, and, but Jesus called these people in Matthew 23, 25 to 28, whitewashed tombs amongst um, any... If you read that passage, it is a stinging rebuke against the Pharisees, against these, um, these people essentially who were thinking that by our own works we are justified. He says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside... They are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside 
you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. Can you imagine being rebuked like that? You know, and, I, and I wonder whether actually deep down, if we were really just to spend some time, let's not get too introspective on a negative thing, but essentially, are we falling into the trap um, of being a Pharisee like this, where essentially you're just spending most of your time just putting up a front? Now, these guys, they did it, and I, I don't know what their mo- motivation was, but they did it on the basis that their understanding was is that if we did all the right stuff, it equaled to be righteous. But Jesus came with the gospel. It says, you, you can't do any of the right stuff. It's what happens in the heart. It's what's the, the, um, uh, the depths of the heart, the, the, the repentant heart, is what God is looking for. And so they focused on the activity, but they ignored the heart. And as long as they did that, God looked at them and he saw in their heart, he saw sin, pride. I mean, things like if you're full of bones of the dead, um, greed and self-indulgence. I wonder what God sees in my life. You know, I wonder when he, what he looks. And I trust that, you know, through the lessons he's teaching me, he's, he's saying, John, you've got to understand that I want to get out of you everything that is to do with greed, self-indulgence, hypocrisy and all that. It's got to get out of you. I'm I'm digging that out and I'm letting it come to the surface to deal with it. I'm not interested in what you look like and how good you are on the outside. I'm interested in what's going on in your heart. And uh, if anyone has a teenager in their house and goes into their bedroom, you know what it's like to go and live in a place which is full of mess. Um, and uh, obviously none of your kids. Um, and if you think about it, if God's going to come and live in our hearts, he's going to clean us up good, isn't he? Yeah. So you, this um, persona that people put on, God's not interested in what you look like on the outside. And then we have this sinner. And maybe he was an extortioner. He was unjust. Um, um, this is what the guy said about he pointed to him, and maybe he was right. This Pharisee was right. I'm glad I'm not an extortioner. I'm not a tax collector. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not, I'm not like this man. And maybe he was, tr- he was right. But God's not looking at the sins. He's looking at the heart that is crying out after God. Isn't that wonderful? And, um, and this, is, this is great. See, we, we know that God doesn't look for perfection but he looks to perfect those that come to him. And that's the whole process that we, as we walk with him. But we dare not let people see who we truly are. We dare not come to church and, or show our face when we know that we've done something wrong. God forbid that we sin. I can't show my face in church. See, are we honest before God? Are we honest with ourselves? See, God sees the real you, warts and all. I mean, if I was to pick someone, let's just say that I, uh, amongst my notes here, I've been watching someone in this room for, a, for the past month, and I've written down every bad thing they've done. <laughs> right? Is that what you got? <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, Trace, it's someone else. <laughs> And now, if I was to read this out, I haven't really, I'm just joking, but if I was to read it out, if I was to say, you know, let me tell you about my wife. Uh, 
Uh, I, I, I don't know anything about what well, I haven't got anything to say. Uh, but God sees the warts and all, and isn't it wonderful that God is like, oh, if only you would just come to me and just enjoy me. You know, the, and this is, I think, when Paul says, isn't it, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I count all of these great activities of my life like dung, that I may know Christ. He saw, I'm not even, he was brought up a Pharisee. I just don't want to go there. I've found a treasure in the Lord. But we have to realise that, you know, I don't know whether you're thinking of something right now. Maybe the Lord is provoking your heart. I, I, I hope he is, because that's the point of when we talk about these things, that the Spirit provokes us to say, this is why this word is for you right now, because I want you to be released from that which you are trying to hide. And, um, and God has a, a, a way of bringing things into the light. And he does that because he, he loves us. And what we know, and I'm sure I'm talking to the, the uh, preaching to the choir, as it were, when we hold on to burdens, anxieties, worries, problems, sin, when we hold on to those things, they are like burdens, and they do weigh us down, they do take away our joy, they do become a blockage between our, in our relationship with the Lord, they do all of these things, and yet we think that what, when God wants to deal with sin, it's because he wants to deal with sin out of anger and, and wrath, which is, which is true in that sense, but he's wanting to deal with the sin or the problems in our lives because it is a blockage between our relationship with him. And I wonder whether we forget that sometimes, that when things are going wrong in our life, when things come to the surface we fall into this guilt as though we've suddenly become so distant from the Lord. Oh no, this has come to light. I feel as though I've fallen away from God. The, the separation has become huge. God doesn't want to see me anymore. Um, or God doesn't want to come in, to, you know, speak to me because look at me, look at me as I am now because this has come and been revealed. When actually maybe God is the one who's bringing it up into the surface because in his love he's going to deal with it. So if God all, I'm just saying this now, maybe this is someone. If God has gone quiet for you, often he goes quieter the closer he is to you. And, and I've found that personally. God goes so quiet because he's drawing me into himself in a, in a new way. And maybe that's for someone. I wasn't planning on saying that. But the other thing that happens is when we go through these situations, we start to realise, do we really trust God? Are you really trusting God when all this dirt and rubbish comes to the surface? When the situations, whether external or internal, it doesn't matter, God uses both. When these things start to happen, do you trust God? It was, um, um, Tracy, I think you said it, didn't you? Um, Proverbs chapter 3, um, verse 5, I think it is. Um, I can't, Proverbs has disappeared from my, oh, there it is. This was mentioned in the prayer meeting this morning by Nikki. I'll read it from verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favour and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, 
and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I want you to remember these things. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Because if you then, we'll look at James a bit later, but if we start to realise as we ask God for forgiveness, as we ask him to deal with these situations, God brings the healing. And I mean healing could be physical, it could be spiritual, mental, uh, and all the other areas where healing happens. But do we trust him? And will you trust him, even though everything seems to be going even worse? Let's read 1 Peter 1, verse 6-7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These situations... Speaking personally, as these things happen in our lives, like a fire burning around you, everything inside you starts to bubble up. And the purification process, many of us will know this, of that gold brings the um, impurities to the surface in order that God can come and just swipe them out and get rid of them. We need the fire that, is, that um, tests it, that um, heats it up, in order to bring these impurities. As I said, this, you know, that week it was like, when things, things come in free, I usually go, oh, that's interesting. I, I like numbers and all that kind of thing. When things come in threes or fives or sevens or, or eights or, you know, forties and 150 threes, um, 153 fish in the boat represents the church. Yeah, you can have that one for free. 153 episodes recorded in the New Testament where Jesus personally ministered to someone. Did you know that? Fascinating. I know you can see on your faces. Just masks have gone up all over. You know the mask in the meeting where inside your eyes are closed and you're snoring, but you're just like that, you know, just <laughs> nodding now and then. Um, but you see, as these things happen, we ask ourselves, Lord, what are you doing right now? You know, something happens in our life and then you, then you stop and you say, just wait and see and watch for what God is doing right now. Just you watch. Something's going on in your family, in your situation. Just watch. You just watch and see what God is doing. I heard this quote, which I think is fantastic. I wish I could nick it. but um, And he said this, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Isn't that good? When you are down to nothing, God is up to something. And this is the thing about trusting God. And Job was a man who was down to nothing, wasn't he? Uh, I'm not going to go into the story, but in Job chapter 13, there's this famous quote, the King James Version says it um, well because it fits in with what I'm saying here. Um, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Are we up to that point of trust where you're like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, if he, you know, God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your altar. Though he slay me, I will trust him, or in the newer version it says, I will put my hope in him. You know, are we willing to keep hold, 
trusting God where everything goes all completely all over the place but God is in the middle of it because he is faithful and he said he's faithful and um and we have to stop and look and say, what are you doing? And remember this, um, and this is Isaiah, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts and our thoughts. I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but you're up to something because I'm down to nothing. And, and what this does is, you know, it reminds us, and this, this, this is this first point um, that I made. God will bring to surface those things in order, because they're holding us back. Because God is committed to the outcasts. I read this on uh, someone's Instagram post, a quote from Philip Yancey, because I think this is what underpins, we've got to understand the context of, of why God wants us to be warts and all and just be honest. Let's be honest with where we're at, with where we're God. And I don't mean, let's all take turns telling everyone our sin and everything. I don't mean that. There's, uh, there's a context to it. But let's be honest. Let's not be people that are trying to be something. And this is what he said. He said, Jesus was the first world leader to inaugurate a kingdom with a heroic role for losers. <laughs> right? If you're a loser this morning, there is a heroic role for you in the kingdom of God. This is wonderful. He spoke to an audience raised on stories of wealthy patriarchs, strong kings, and victorious heroes. Much to their surprise, he honoured he honoured instead people who have little value in the visible world, the poor and the meek, the persecuted and those who mourn, social rejects, the hungry and thirsty. His stories consistently featured the wrong people as heroes, the prodigal, not the responsible son, the good Samaritan, not the good Jew, Lazarus, not the rich man, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, as Charles Spurgeon expressed it, his glory was that he laid aside his glory and the glory of the church is when she lays aside her respectability and her dignity and counts it to be her glory to gather together the outcasts. I know that's a lot there, but that's amazing. I read that this morning. I said, thank you, Lord. That just makes my sermon ten times better. Um, so we have to understand that God's not looking for the perfect because as he said, he said, I didn't, you know, the, the, the world, uh, what's that verse? The world did not come, uh, are not seeking a physician, the sick are seeking a physician, uh, that, 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 that verse. You know, we need to get it into our hearts that it's so important that we turn up to, to church when we're at our worst in order that God may meet us where we're at. And we can trust him for what's going on in our lives. See, <clears throat> the power of forgiveness, you know, when we're willing to be who we are, here we are, walks and all, not just so that we can parade ourselves and enjoy our sin. I'm not talking about where we justify our sin or where we're kind of like just living life against God, but I'll praise God that rejects are, are welcome and sinners are welcome. Amen. But that doesn't mean that God wants you to remain in your sin. And James 5 verse 13 to 16 says this, and there's a principle behind this I want us to see. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, 
Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. The often pride, which, can, which is one of these underlying roots of mass, fear, which is one of these underlying roots of mass, fear, um, all these kind of things, whether uh, will keep us from healing. Sin will keep us from healing. Whether spiritual, mental, emotional, physical healing. And this is what he says. He says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now we know that sickness can be the result of sin, but not all sickness is the result of sin. But we know that um, often healing is inhibited because we are not honest in our situation. And by you, and this is what Margaret said, or at least I'm I'm taking what Margaret said and fitting it in with what I'm saying. Um, Find people who will pray for you. Yeah? I want to add to that. Find people you can confess your sin to. Now, I don't believe that we, that church should be about, let's just hang our dirty washing out for everyone to see. Um, there's, there's a context, there's a time that you don't have to come and, and, and stand up the front and tell everyone all your, all your problems, all your difficulties, but go find one or two people who, who you can say, look, I need to confess where I'm at because I'm struggling with this. I know God wants to deal with it. You know, I want to confess, will you pray for me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you support me? Will you stand with me? I want to move on from this. God's going to take me on from this. I'm by faith, I'm believing he's going to heal me. He's going to set me free. Will you pray for me? It doesn't have to be an elder. It says confess your sins one to another. It doesn't say confess your sins to everyone. It says one to an, an, an other. Um, and, and often, you know, we, I think we think so big of this that, again, I don't, and I'm labouring the point here, um, we are hiding all these things because somewhere along the line we think everyone else has it all together um, and I'm the only one who doesn't. And I think what you will find is that that's not true. Um, even people that you might put on a pedestal, I have not met anyone who has not had some issue that they needed to deal with from my perspective. <laughs> um, and I know from personal experience, I'm one of those people that has my own issues that God is still perfecting, as my wife will testify. Uh, yeah, likewise. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. It came out too quick. Amen. So turn up to church when you feel the worst for turning up to church. See, and are we the kind of church where people can come and even just to pull you aside, say, Carmen, can I just share with you? I just feel that I can do this with you because Carmen is such a lovely person. Can I just share, will you pray for me? And she will say, I can't wait till I tell my ladies group. (laughs) (laughs) And Carmen says, I would love to pray with you. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, I could say this with confidence. We could go around the room and I think, you know, there may be some things that you feel this is a bit too much and you need to, you know, maybe you go to someone outside of this church family. That might be the case. Someone who is spiritual, someone who is loving, someone who can help you understand, maybe learn from them. So, here's another thing, just before I start to come to a finish. 
God, <clears throat> anyone here gave their life to the Lord? You don't have to put your hand up, but did you give your life to the Lord? Um, when you gave your life to the Lord, you signed off all permission to the Lord to do this without your permission. Just to let you know that. And what I mean by that is, see, God will do things in your life. If you gave your life to the Lord, whatever kind of context you mean, whether you responded to him because he's just come and set you, but at some point where you say, Lord, I want to follow you, I'll give, whether you use those words or not, it doesn't matter. But when we do that, God will do whatever he wants with your life. Now, we know that God's a gentleman. You know, he's, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He won't force you and all this kind of thing. Well, actually, I've found in my own life that God has forced me to do things. And praise God, because I wouldn't have done it on my own. Because he's my father, he loves me, and he will move upon my life and cause me to deal with certain things, and he will bring them to light to force me to deal with them. And he's going to do the same with you if you've given your life to the Lord, in inverted commas. So, but, so just, if, it's with, if or when it happens, go with it and say, Lord, you know, but know that in this church, what, this is the point, um, one of the points, we are in a, in a place where we recognise that happens, and it might not be happening for me right now, but I, I, I'm going to stand with you if it's happening with you. Because there's going to be a day where it's going to be happening to me and I'm going to want you to stand with me. Amen? Amen. And in that time, let me just get back to things. Are you willing to trust him even though everything is going to pot? Maybe it's going to pot in your marriage. Maybe it's going to pot in your body physically. Maybe it's going to pot in your mind or in your workplace or whatever. It might be going completely all to pot and everything. But God is trustworthy. And even in, there's other verses, you go to Romans 8, through all things God works for the good of those that love him. We could have spent some time in that. This is so biblical, isn't it? <clears throat> so let me finish with this. Trust in God brings us to prayer. Listen, I tell you what, there are things that we have to understand we can do nothing practically about unless it comes out of a place of prayer. So we, we're forced to go, and this is family stuff, you go to prayer, innit? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could talk about this, couldn't we, Tracy? How sometimes um, it's our only route because all the other activity we could do, whatever we say, do, act, whatever, doesn't seem to make any difference. Often it can cause more problems, even, even though our hearts are in the right place. We get on our knees, you know, whether literally or not, and we pray, and we say, Lord, I can do nothing here, in your hands completely, here it is, all the way up, I'm going to leave it on your doorstep, and every now and then I'm just going to come back and say, Lord, anything for me, anything you want me to do, you know, I, if more you do it, the better, please, because if I'm doing it, I'm probably going to get it wrong, um, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and God does miracles through prayer. So we must be people that are praying. And the more, and you will see, the more you trust in God, will, you will see that, that you are praying all the more. Because the less prayer what happens is I trust in God, but we so keep getting our hands in the way and we're doing all this stuff. Stop getting involved and pray. Pray. Now we have certain responsibilities. We have to do certain things. But the other day, I just spent a couple of days in, and where I could sit and pray, and I just come to a place of peace and certain things, and I say, Lord, I just keep bringing to you. I'm bringing it to you. 
and I'm bringing it to you. That's a wonderful privilege, isn't it? So when fear rises, we desire to take control. Um, I'm sure everyone who's a control freak doesn't believe they are. So if, if that's not you, then maybe you are. But we pray, and we pray, and we pray. So let me just bring some practicalities. First, the question, do you really trust in God? And if you're like, I trust in God so easily, John, be careful, God's going to come and test that at some point. <laughs> and, if, and if he has come to me, and I will, I will act very compassionately with you. And then when you turn and walk away, I'll be like that. Um, no, I won't. But who can you confess your sin to and be prayed for by? Today, if you haven't got someone at this point, today, find someone. You know, today. And it can be your husband or your wife, but find another as well. Just have, if there's, you know, you know, just having a couple of people. You don't need to, again, don't feel, and please don't go and tell everyone. Um, that doesn't necessarily benefit you. Um, so much, I mean, I know we, some of us, are, I'm, I, I'm a sharer, you know. I have to hold back, don't I? But who can you share your life with and get support as you walk together? It's not just in a prayer. It's in the after walking. It's the person that will come along saying, just checking in. How are you doing, Dan? How are you doing on that? You know, do you want me to pray for you? Hey, you know, quick text message or a phone call or, you know, for the younger people. Yeah, there's none here. They're all out. Who will remind you the ways in which God takes things and turns them around for his glory? You need someone like that. And they can be annoying sometimes. Because when you're really feeling it, what you don't want is someone to come along saying, ah, oh, isn't God good? He's going to turn this around for glory. And you're like, yeah, but I feel rubbish. And I can barely get myself out of bed in the morning. Ah, oh, but praise God, God's going to bring this around for his glory. But it's true. How much of your life is firmly in your hands and you dare not let God take it? Hmm? God wants to take our lives and make something of it. Do you trust God this morning? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Lord, we just pray you deliver us from fear. (laughs) Amen. I think, let's pray. (laughs) Lord, help us. (laughs) Help us, Lord. (laughs) Let's be like the sinner. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful grace. Lord, it's your grace that says, come as you are. It's your grace that says, that though we may sin, and we come to you in that instance and we say, Lord, will you forgive me? Lord, in that moment, you deal with our sin. Lord, you release us from it, you heal us from it. Lord, we may have to handle consequences, but Lord, you will be with us in that. But in that moment, we can be free before you. Lord, and I want to pray, Lord, for an honesty amongst us this morning. Lord, an honesty where we can be who we are. Lord, and we can come to you and ask forgiveness. Lord, ask for help, ask for ministry. Lord, as we pray for one another, Lord, there will be healing. Lord, and Father, you are the healer. Lord, and I just want to pray. Lord, will you help us in these days? Lord, to see beyond the problems and see you at work. Lord, you're a mighty God. You're a loving God, a wonderful Father. 
Lord, we love you this morning. There are so many things, Lord, that maybe even in this room we're dealing with. But, Lord, you are in the midst of it. Lord, and as we were hearing earlier on, Lord, we can still praise you. We can sing. We can love you. We can glorify you. We can lead these things with you. Lord, we're not neglecting our family, Lord, by simply praying and seeking you, Lord, but we're doing mighty things for them. Lord, in our workplaces, in our work situations, if we're worried about our jobs or all these kind of things, Lord, I thank you. We can come to you as our provider and say, Lord, I need not fear or worry because you will provide all I need. That's what your word says. Lord, will you help us not to fear? Lord, help us not to be anxious. Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, and help us to be real with you. Lord, thank you that you see way through all the masks and everything, Lord. You know who we are. And you accept us anyway. So, Lord, we do just want to pray for each other right now. Pray for this place. Lord, will you give us that real gift of grace for one another. Lord, and that love for one another that stands with people and says, I'm for you. I love you and with you and God loves you and God loves you and is with you and fighting on your behalf. So Lord, we just commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.